and Colton, and he we don't see him singing, but he's singing. So he's singing in, in spirit, I guess. And uh, well, it's, uh, let's let's gather together in a word of prayer together. And um, you know, sometimes I know for me when I uh, when it's time to preach, I can be uh, thinking on other things, and uh, I know that that's just uh, being human. And so uh, maybe that's the same way for you. So let's pray together and let's ask God. Uh, to be given his rightful place here today. Lord, we thank you for uh, this time we can be together in your house. And Lord, we uh, uh, thank you that uh, we can praise you. And uh, Lord, we do hunger for you. And we do desire to worship you. And uh, Lord, we uh, know that we are not worthy. And Lord, we ask that uh, you would bless the reading of scripture here this morning as well as uh, the message today. Uh, Lord, you've laid these things upon my heart. I pray that you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit and that I would say and, and do only as you would have for me to say and do. Lord, we ask for your blessing upon um, the uh, Sunday services of 2024. We're in a new year and uh, it's always a way for our minds to be able to think into uh, starting off fresh in, in many new areas. And so, Lord, I pray that... Um, uh, you would help us to consider in our own lives uh, areas in which we can um, uh, afresh and anew uh, maybe focus further on you or um, uh, gain more from, uh, from our walk together with you. Or maybe it's just obeying your will in some area. Lord, we ask that uh, we would be receptive. And uh, Lord, it's our desire that you would mold us and shape us into what you would have for us to be. And so, Lord, I pray that uh, you would do that in beginning, uh, even on this Sunday. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Mark, please. Mark chapter number 1. I want to start with you a series. How long this goes, I'm not entirely for certain. But I want to walk through the book of Mark together with you. As we start off in the new year, um, uh, the book of Mark is a, uh, um, a, a great passage uh, of scripture. Uh, honestly, I think if, if there is one of my favorites of the Gospels, the book of Mark is it. Uh, Mark is uh, of the other three, uh, of the four Gospels, it is the most abbreviated of those four. Does not give quite all the details uh, in that way. Uh, but yet, uh, as in all the Gospels, there are details and uh, um, uh, application to draw from, a message to draw from in each that's unique to uh, yes, the Holy Spirit's filling through that writer, but through the personality of that writer. And um, uh, uh, so uh, the, the intent through a study and walk through a book of the Bible, which I often don't do uh, actually on a Sunday morning, it's not just simply to obtain Bible knowledge. Uh, but I would encourage you and ask you to pray in this way to obtain Bible application. And uh, many a times we can read through the Gospels and we know, have a general Bible knowledge. And then when we hear them again, uh, we obtain further baby Bible knowledge of things which, oh, I didn't realize that uh, this happened or I don't remember this particular scenario with Jesus and the disciples or with this individual or this miracle. Uh, but what is the application? And that is the intent uh, through today and with the Lord's help continuing on through the book that we would attain the application uh, that God has for us throughout uh, the book of Mark. And so let's read together Mark chapter number 1. We're going to read the first 12 verses together. The Word of God says, In the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, 
as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John did baptize in the wilderness, and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea, and they of Jerusalem, uh, and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. Verse 6. And John was clothed with camel's hair, and with a girdle of skin about his loins. And he did eat locusts and wild honey, and preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized with water, but, ye shall ba but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, and was baptized of John in Jordan. And straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opened, and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven, saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And immediately the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness." Mark chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, the Bible gives us uh, no genealogical introduction. As with all the uh, other Gospels, we are given somewhat of a genealogy. Um, in the book of John, it's not a genealogy of man, but rather a genealogy of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. There is no such introduction given here. In fact, Mark just jumps straight into uh, the life of Christ and, and uh, the events leading up to uh, the Christ's um, uh, ministry upon earth. The general um, uh, context of the entirety of the book of Mark is seeing Jesus in action. Jesus as a servant. It's servanthood that's seen all throughout uh, this, this book of the Bible. And one particular key word that we see continuing on throughout the book is the word straightway. Jesus straightway doing things. Individuals straightway doing things. Uh, so uh, as we uh, will study through the book of Mark, you'll find that underlining theme all the way through. And what, the reason why I say that is because at some parts you may feel like uh, well, the message seems like it's sa the same from one week to the next. Well, the entirety of the, uh, of the context and that theme is carried through the mind of Mark as he writes these things. And uh, so, uh, uh, there's a lot more history we could give of this, but what do these first couple of verses then tell us where there is no uh, genealogy that's given? The Bible brings us straight to that which was foretold by the prophets. In fact, those first couple of verses in Mark are, are a direct quotation from Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 1. Of the coming Messiah, a messenger that would come before him. This being John the Baptist. Of course, if you read in the, in the book of Matthew or in other of the Gospels, we're given greater details of John the Baptist. Mark has a great way of just giving someone of a snapshot bringing out the highlighted details of those individuals. And in some cases, only but briefly mentioning other areas of Scripture, but not going into great depth on them. Uh, the Bible tells us of uh, this um, messenger in verse number 2. This is John the Baptist, a messenger of God. Uh, can I say to you that as John the Baptist was a messenger of God in preparation for his coming, so we are in the very same way. In these 12 verses which we've read together, I would say an underlining uh, um, uh, verse uh, in concerning John the Baptist and his preparation for Christ's coming is verse number 3, where the Bible says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. I've entitled the message this morning just that. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. 
as John the Baptist was a messenger of God in preparation for the coming of Christ, no, we are not waiting for Christ uh, coming for the first time any longer or coming as the Messiah. The Messiah has already come. He's already died upon the cross. But we are uh, waiting. We are anticipating the coming of Christ and his return back to this earth for all those who are believers, for all those who have received him by faith and know in their heart that they are a Christian and they, that they will spend eternity with him in heaven. The Bible tells us that it is we as believers, we as Christians, that should be helping to prepare the way for his coming, preparing the way of the Lord. I wonder, are you preparing for the Lord's coming in your own life? But are you, praying, prepare, are you preparing for the Lord's coming for the sake of others' lives? The Bible tells us that when Christ returns, uh, it will be, he will come as a thief in the night, at a time in which we will not expect it, at a time in which we will least anticipate it coming. And when Christ returns, every believer will go up to be together with him. And those who do have not received Christ, those who do not uh, know the Lord today, uh, who, have, who are not believers, who are not Christians, the Bible tells us uh, that they have condemned themselves by choosing not to believe upon Christ. Someone says, well, what about those who did not choose uh, uh, not to believe? They were just ignorant of knowing. Nobody told them. That's exactly our responsibility. That's where we come in. As John the Baptist prepared the way of the Lord in Mark chapter 1, so we are also to prepare the way of the Lord and His return. Are you preparing the way of the Lord? In what ways can we prepare the way of the Lord? Uh, the Bible tells us uh, of uh, John the Baptist and highlights. Mark highlights these things. What are these things that he highlights of John the Baptist? Uh, the Bible tells us, number one, how can we prepare for the way of the Lord? Well, number one, through our voice. In verse 3, the Bible says, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. We live in a world today as a result of streaming services and live television and news uh, uh, channels. Uh, lots of voices coming out. Uh, many uh, televangelists, many preachers, um, uh, many voices, many things being said. I wonder what is, being, what is the greatest thing that's being said through your voice, through my voice? Is it, a vo is it a voice that when it speaks, it's preparing for the coming of Christ? It's making preparation for Christ's return? We talked last week about diligently seeking God and uh, uh, how that um, there is a relationship that we can so have with God, not with a, I'm going to someday be with God, but no, I'm already in eternity together with God and I'm going to walk together with Him. Can I say to you, when that relationship is what is had, there is a voice that is also had. A voice that speaks of Christ. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Uh, uh, out of the heart are the issues of life. So, what comes out of our mouth speaks of the condition of our heart. I wonder, does your heart desire to speak in preparation for the coming of Christ? Could we consider this morning that there are those that we love, our family members, as well as uh, maybe even someone in this building here today, uh, even people who could be uh, church members but have never really received Christ. Have we considered that there could be those close friends that we've known for years, uh, some who we've known only for a short time, maybe acquaintances or co-workers. Have we considered that those individuals maybe have never received Christ and you may be the only voice that they'll ever hear about Christ. Uh, you've heard the phrase, you may be the only Bible that some people will ever read. Well, there's much truth in that. 
but if there's one thing that people both see and hear of individuals, it's the voice of us. What does your voice speak greatly of? The Bible tells us that in John the Baptist's voice, he spoke as that messenger, as verse number 2 prophetically speaks of Malachi chapter 3. That he spoke as the messenger. A message that he spoke to others was a message of Christ's coming. It was a message of preparation, I would say to you firstly. He says, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Prepare for Christ's coming. Some have not heard. But yet it was also a message of repentance, the Bible tells us. In verse 4, John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. A baptism, understand in this passage, is not what brought about salvation. John the Baptist is not saying that here. He's not saying that if you are baptized, you are then believing upon God and receiving Him. Baptism is that of the result of salvation. That's why verse 5 continues. And there went unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan. Baptism spoke of their decision. What is baptism? Uh, baptism uh, is an outward expression of an inward decision. Uh, it is uh, as we picture uh, uh, in baptism by immersion the water and an individual standing in that water, uh, we are choosing to come into that water, to uh, step into a new life, to die to self, and now live a new life together with Christ. That is the picture that's given there, a picture of the cross, by the way, that baptism. But the, the baptism in verse 4 is actually different than the baptism that's referred to in verse 5. He speaks of a baptism of repentance, being immersed, going uh, under the water, so to speak, being immersed uh, with a uh, reality of who we are, sinners in need of Christ, repenting of our sins. A person can believe upon God but never repent of their sins. Repentance is not uh, something that we must continue to do in order to maintain salvation, but repentance is something which should be continually done throughout the Christian life as a Christian individual. So in other words, when we receive Christ, when you become a Christian, it is not by baptism, it's not by works which we do. The Bible tells us you're forgiven of your sins, you now have a new life together with Christ. But that uh, new life of forgiveness needs uh, to maintain a life of honesty and faithfulness to God. That is one that's without sin. One that's repenting of our sins. It's not that, nowhere in Scripture does the Bible tell us that Jesus will remove our eternal salvation if we don't uh, continue to repent of our sins. But the Bible does tell us that if we don't keep ourselves in check, admitting our sin before God, repenting of it before God, asking forgiveness of it before God, that our lives and our actions will not be acceptable before Him. God cannot bless the individual uh, who is not living in honesty before Him. So what does John preach? He preaches a message of preparation and preparation for the coming of Christ. You may not be a preacher today uh, or called by God preacher, but you can prepare others for the coming of Christ. He preached a message of repentance. You may not be a preacher here today, but you can prepare others by speaking of the reality of sin. The Bible tells us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If we don't tell others about the sin 
and why we need Christ's love and why we need Christ in our life, uh, then we're missing a very, 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 very big doctrinal uh, uh, emphasis in Scripture. The Bible tells us that in order to receive Christ, we must admit of our sins. And so it is John who says, uh, he's preaching of this baptism of repentance. He says, hey, if you will admit and realize that you have sin in your life, God will, as he already has, God will forgive you. God has forgiven you. God will uh, allow you to be justified in his eyes. That sin will no longer be, be seen before him. You see, the emphasis is here upon us realizing that, hey, we have sin. <laughs> we need God. And without uh, God, we are simply sinners condemned to an eternal hell, is what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us uh, in John 3.16 that, Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, the word of God continues, verse 17 and 18, that when we choose not to believe, we condemn ourselves already. So, we know in our own heart, if you're a Christian here today, that there has been a time in your life that you repented of your sins. I wonder, is sin a uh, discussion in your voice of the message of Christ? We're not saying here today that we are to shove uh, the message of sin and sin only down people's throats. You're going to hell if you don't receive Christ. There are people that do that. And I would say in many ways, good people even that do that. Uh, but uh, but it's, this is not what God is telling us here. We're told to speak to others in the love of Christ. But we can't miss out the fact that sin is the reality of mankind. There is a message of repentance and yet also that of uh, of baptism that is taking place in verse uh, number 5 and 6. These individuals believe, they receive, they become a child of God, the Bible tells us, and now they are baptized. There is an outward expression of their inward decision. Now others are seeing in testimony to others and in testimony before God, I am choosing to die to self and now live a new life together with God. The Bible tells us that this was a message of preparation it was a message of repentance. And we see that this was John preparing the way of the Lord through his voice. I'd say to you, secondly, how can we prepare the way of the Lord? Number two, through humility. Through humility. In verse number seven, the Bible says, here's John, and preached, saying, there cometh one mightier than I after me. I am nothing, he says. I am not worthy. God is much greater than I. The one who is coming is the one to whom you should set your eyes upon. Is the one to whom you should serve. He is the very Messiah himself. He is the very Savior himself. He is the one who is coming to die for all mankind. And if you would put your faith and trust in him, you can spend an eternity with him. He says, I'm nothing. I can't save you, John says. I'm not the Savior. But there is one who is, and I'm preparing for his coming. And he continues on. The latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and then lose. John was um, saying, I'm not here to point people to myself. I'm here to point people to Christ. Could I remind us today that none of us here on this earth are here to point people to ourselves or what we can do? It's not about our thinking. It's not about our logic. It's about God. If this is the greatest thing that anyone can receive from coming into Community Bible Church, from joining Community Bible Church, from being in Community Bible Church, it should be that within the church, they see God and not man. 
John says, I, I am not worthy even to do the most lowest the low. One of the, the job of a servant at that time uh, would have been um, to uh, wash an individual's feet, uh, to take off their shoes, to put their shoes back on. This was the, the responsibility, that of a servant during this time. John says, I'm not even worthy to do that before God. And take note of this. Here's John in humility of himself, picturing God, the very Jesus Christ himself, in his humility as well. You remember Jesus when he washed the feet of the disciples? When he chose himself to lower him so lo himself so low as a servant. I said to you at the beginning of the message that it's all through this book of the Bible that we see that theme of servanthood. Jesus in action, straightway taking place. And even down to John the Baptist, a picture of Christ himself. And, and showing, and we, we're, we can't help but be reminded of what Christ did in lowering himself to become a baby. And even further, to become a man. And to live among sinful men. And uh, uh, to go through uh, the aging process of a child to a man. Uh, these are things which Christ did. And as a result of him doing, he understands us. He knows what we're going through. He, he's there with us. Uh, look, there is no conditions in which God had to do in order to be God. God is always being God. But the fact that he chose to come down to this earth as a man, uh, that should humble us. It should draw us to uh, the same reality as John the Baptist, as, hey, I am nothing more than a servant of God. And I'm not even worthy to remove the shoes of Christ. But God desires to use me. So I'm going to let Him use me. And while He uses me, may God see me as a servant of Him. May others see me as a servant of Him. May others see not me, but God. John the Baptist says, God has called me as a messenger to be a voice. Not that others would see me. There's one that's coming. I'm preparing the way for his coming. It's the very Jesus Christ himself. I am nothing, John the Baptist says. He is something. Verse number 8, I indeed have baptized you with water. But he, that being Jesus, shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. He's talking yet again about a different kind of baptism. An immersion. An immersion of the Holy Spirit. Remember, at this time, he's speaking um, to a, a greater, large majority of Jews. And the Judaism is thought to be the only uh, religion at that time that included or believed in the Messiah, in which the Messiah himself was coming for. And the Jews themselves saw, thought this. They thought that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, was only coming for them. And so they were anticipating his coming, though not understanding that even when Jesus Christ himself came, that he, he himself was the Messiah. But what is Jesus doing? Jesus is laying the groundwork for that which is to come. He's telling them that as a result of my dying upon the cross, I will leave my Holy Spirit the Comforter <laughs> to come and live inside of every believer. The Holy Spirit uh, will be a part of your life. I will be a part of your life. Here's, here's the uh, the great message of the gospel just in the very first chapter of John where the Bible tells us here's individuals they admit their sin they repent of their sin 
They receive God into their life. They become children of God. They're baptized. And now Jesus tells them uh, that the Holy Spirit's going to come and live inside of them. What is that? Uh, what is the Holy Spirit doing at this time? Uh, is there is a beginning uh, uh, transitional thinking among the Samaritans, among the Gentiles, among the Jews, that here now all that the Jews had practiced in tradition and had followed in circumcision, the commandments and sacrifices, those things are no longer necessary. And that God has given us His Holy Spirit to live inside of us, to guide us, to lead us, to direct us. The book of Acts, we read of that even further. And it's these things which Jesus is speaking of. There's getting ready to be a change of thinking within the minds of the Jews and the Gentiles and the Samaritans outside of the work of Jesus and even John the Baptist. Uh, they have not even heard about Christ. For that matter, they've not even heard that the gospel was for them. But it's John the Baptist who's preparing the way. And the Bible tells us in verse 8, I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. God will give you his Holy Spirit upon your receiving of salvation. Verse number 9, And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan. Now, why was Jesus himself baptized? Well, Jesus was acting out what he came into this world to do. He was consecrating himself. He went into the water. This pictured his death. He went down under the water. This pictured his burial. He came up out of the water. This pictured uh, his resurrection. And so it is Jesus through his baptism that is picturing to us. It's a representation to us. It's modeling to us what Christ was going to do and yet also what we must choose to do in and of ourselves. I say to you again, we're choosing to die to self, to be buried, the old man, to live a new life together with Christ. It is as we read further on in Scripture uh, and towards the end of the book of Mark that God says, go into all the world, preach the gospel, or to baptize others. Baptism is a step which is to follow salvation. And by the way, if you're here today and you've never been scripturally baptized, that should be a prayer and a consideration of your own heart that you do. The Bible says, tells us that that is a, a next step in your salvation. That is not uh, what grants your salvation. It's not what maintains your salvation. But it is a next step for the Christian after receiving Him. And the Bible tells us, in verse number 9, And it came to pass in those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan. And straightway, there's that word, coming out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Where in the beginning of the chapter we hear of the voice of John the Baptist. Well, here's the very voice of God. What have we been considering this morning? Preparing the way of the Lord. How can we prepare the way of the Lord? Well, number one, through our voice. Number two, through humility. But number three, through the Holy Spirit. This is the very thing which Jesus himself has already referred to. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit validated the ministry of Jesus. Look at verse 10 again. In straightway coming out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. So there's some kind of physical way for the people to see the Holy Spirit. Some people have tried to describe exactly what that was, but we understand this is the people saw the Holy Spirit, it would, it would seem from what the text tells us. And then they hear the very voice of God the Father. This is my beloved Son. So here you have Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Then you have 
the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. And then you have the voice of God, God the Father, the three in one, the Trinity of Christ, right here in Scripture. The Bible tells us, how can we prepare the way of the Lord? What is Jesus telling us through these things? Notice the Bible tells us before we come much further, he says, um, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It's interesting that when you look at scripture, there are only three times in the ministry of Jesus where the voice of the Father is mentioned. Here in John 12, uh, then before Jesus goes to the cross, uh, and when Jesus and Peter and James and John went to the Mount of Transfiguration, it is only those three times in which we hear the very voice of God. But consider what, G what God the Father says. He says, in whom I am well pleased. We considered last week, but without faith it is impossible to please Him. I wonder, what about your life pleases God? What about your life pleases God? God says, in whom I am well pleased, this is my beloved Son. Could God say that about you? This is my beloved child, my beloved son, my beloved daughter. I'm pleased in what they're doing for me. We are not God. We're not saying that today. But does what we do through our life please God? The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit validated the ministry of Jesus. The moment that the, that the people saw the Holy Spirit and they heard the voice of God the Father, it is then that they knew, at least those people there, they knew this is not just any man. This is God himself. The very things which John the Baptist has prepared the way for is the very things that are coming to pass. The Bible tells us the Holy Spirit validated the ministry of Jesus. I'd say to you, secondly, when considering the Holy Spirit, he leads the believer. And notice verse 12. We're given just an abbreviation of, of what we know takes place. Verse 12, And immediately the Spirit driveth him, that being Jesus, into the wilderness. Remember what happened in the wilderness? Jesus was tempted of, the, of Satan. He was tempted of the devil. The very first thing, Jesus in action, the very first part of Jesus' ministry, the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness for many days and many nights <laughs> to be tempted of the devil. Now we know temptation is not the sin. So Jesus was not sinning. We understand today that uh, uh, Jesus was modeling for us how we are to respond to temptation as we study that passage in Matthew. But I want to bring to your attention what the Holy Spirit is doing. The Holy Spirit is leading Jesus. The Spirit leads him into the wilderness. Start from the very beginning. Here's an individual. They receive Christ. They're baptized. The Holy Spirit has, uh, the moment they receive Christ, is living inside of them. They're baptized. The Bible tells us now the Holy Spirit is to be leading them, guiding them, directing them. So it is to be in our lives. Christ lives inside of you if you're a believer here today. Is he leading your life? Could I remind you today that sometimes when the, the Spirit leads, he leads us into a wilderness? And sometimes the wilderness is um, uh, God's allowing even Satan 
to afflict certain things in our life. And as believers, what are we to do? We're to do as Christ modeled for us. We're to stay faithful to Him. How are we to respond to that temptation? Not give in to it. Keep our eyes upon God. Not give in to the flesh. What is the emphasis in, in, the, in, the, in Matthew of the, this temptation of Satan? It's uh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those three things Satan uses to tempt Jesus. So in the Christian life, we are to be continually spirit-led. And there are temptations. And there are trials. And there are wildernesses. But that doesn't mean we should get our eyes off God. It doesn't mean we should stop letting the Holy Spirit lead us. In fact, if we are in tune with God, we can only but expect times of wilderness. And if we don't, uh, then we've got a wrong view of what the Holy Spirit is. The Bible tells us, how can we prepare for the way of the Lord? Well, we do it through our voice, we do it through humility, but most importantly, we need the Holy Spirit. We can't do anything for God without His filling in our life. We can't ever obey Him uh, in His calling and do it to glorify Him if it's not done through the power of His Holy Spirit. And this is the very thing which has yet to happen, but will happen for the people that are here. Jesus is saying, the Comforter will come. The Holy Spirit will come. And he will live inside of each one of you as believers. And it is you, when you yield yourself to Him, that He will guide you. That He will direct you. That He will lead you. Are you letting the Holy Spirit lead your life? Or do you question when something comes into your life? The question shouldn't be, why is this happening to me in the sense of this is harmful to me? The question should be, why is this happening to me? Is God leading me somewhere that I need to be? Whether it's a negative thing or a positive thing. Uh, preparing the way. We can't truly prepare the way of the gospel for others if we haven't first prepared the way of the gospel in our own life. How is it effectively done? Through our voice, through a humble heart, through humility, but through the Holy Spirit. Well, my prayer, I know for our church, is that when people come, and not just new people, but people, when people come in our part of Community Bible Church, that what they would see of us is not us. They would see God. That what they would hear of us is not the voice of us, but they would hear God. That if they're unsaved, that what they would hear of us is nothing that we can do, but they would be drawn to the gospel. But it's these things. These things that must happen for us as believers in order to prepare for the way of the Lord. Let's pray. Our heavenly gracious Father, we admit today that we are nothing without you. We recognize that as John the Baptist said himself, he was not worthy. Uh, we are not worthy and therefore um, salvation from you is a privilege and an honor. And uh, it is something which we must um, live with our mindset upon. We are truly to prepare the way of the Lord for the lost. We must prepare the way of the Lord in our own life. 
Lord, I pray that if there might be a believer here today, maybe they've gotten their focus off, they've uh, got their mind upon things of the flesh, of themselves, Lord, I pray that they would realize today that what's important is that others would see God. And I pray that if there's an unbeliever here today who has never put their faith and trust in you, I pray that they would realize today that, uh, yes, you love them and you died for them, but also there must be an admittance of their sin and a, and a desire of receiving to have you be a part of their life. But our desire today is to be spirit-led Christians. And we recognize today that sometimes when your Holy Spirit leads, you lead us into uncomfortable places. Sometimes when your Holy Spirit leads, you lead us into places to test us in order that you can shape us and mold us into who you'd have for us to be. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here today that needs some shaping, that needs some molding, that they would allow themselves to be as clay in your hands to become as you would desire for them to be. Lord, bless this time of invitation, we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you, if you would, just pray, to get, pray in your pew, or maybe you, you don't feel led to pray about any specific area of the message. Uh, I, would, I would encourage you and ask you, would you pray together maybe with your spouse then? Just pray that this would be a highlighting, <laughs> that, let, that this would be a highlighting thing in your lives. As the piano plays, you pray together. If you want to pray out loud a little bit, that's okay. Pray with your spouse. Pray with the person sitting next to you.